0: a minute report for America. Did the president make a secret deal with Havana to first close the Guantanamo Bay terrorist prison and then return the entire naval base to Cuba? There continues to be no viable reason why the Guantanamo Bay prison off American shores and therefore keeping U.S. citizens safe from attempted attacks to free the hazardous inmates should be closed. There is equally no viable reason for the president to open relations with the Castro regime when it continues to oppress its own population, sponsor terrorism abroad, and allows the Russian Navy to use the island nation's facilities. In April 2015, the president withdrew the terror sponsor designation for Cuba, despite Havana's ongoing offenses. Will abandoning Guantanamo Bay naval base be next? There has been no convincing explanation about Obama's stance towards terrorism. I'm Frank Furnescio. Read more at usagovpolicy.com. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm
1: sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs>
0: Call Jiggy right now, 267-22-JIGGY.
1: Hey, Jiggy, what's
2: happening, man? i be <laughs> that uh, David buiso Jiggy play guitar. J- it's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting, I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thank
0: you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours.
2: Welcome to an action-packed edition of the world-famous Chiggy Wire Radio Program, coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, a Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio Radio as well, amfm247.com. Thanks for tuning in to the big broadcast from the KJ Radio Studios in Hutchinson, Kansas. We're live Monday through Friday, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard, at JiggyJaguar.com. All the tune-in apps and radio loyalty. Our brand new free Droid and iPhone app are available. JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live 24-7 replay. Exclusive news and programming information all available on our great app. Selected editions will appear on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. We've got two great guests with us today. First of all, we have in uh, our first segment here a political lobbying expert and best-selling author. John Tebow is with us today. He is uh, He believes that we're Basically, turning a point in our politics where everyone needs to get involved, come together around issues, build coalitions, fund their initiatives, and intelligently pursue their policy agendas. He's the founder and CEO of iLobby and the author of the new number one international bestseller, How to Change a Law. He and his book offer insight, actionable tools, political strategies that can help you and uh, basically everybody else who's listening become an active citizen legislator who realize that their participation in public policy matters And uh, you're also going to learn how to use the iLobby political persuasion platform to change laws through crowdfunded lobbying. We welcome to the broadcast John Tebow. How are you, John?
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Now, uh, this this book is absolutely incredible. Uh, You've put a lot of time and effort into this book. Tell me a little bit about the writing process for the book.
1: You know, it actually went pretty quickly. And part of that was that I had... um, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and talking to lobbyists, talking to politicians, dealing with uh, folks at the local level. And I realized I was having these, you know, conversations with friends, and it would take an hour or two to explain what I was doing. And I thought, you know what, I should just put this into a book. So I started um, at the beginning of the year, actually, you know, doing some drafting and then got it done within a period of probably, you know, a month and a half.
2: Wow. Pretty
1: quickly. Yeah, and then it was just the
0: editing that took a little bit longer to clean it up and do some more research.
2: you got things moving along there pretty quick. Um, John Tebow with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about his latest book. Now, uh, do you have a specific writing style that you adhere to when when, when putting this book together?
0: Well,
1: you know, this is a real departure for me because it's my first nonfiction book. I've written a couple of novels. I've written some screenplays, but I never did a nonfiction piece. And then I looked at the best way to structure it, um, and then had some guidance from other folks who've done this.
2: Amazing stuff! We've got John Tebow with us today. Uh, give us a thumbnail sketch at, at, at the book itself, so uh, people who are listening, who are interested in it, can go uh, can go pick it up and know what they're picking up.
1: Yeah, the book is called "How to Change a Law." It's available on Amazon as a Kindle book, as a paperback, and also in Audible. So you've got three forms to get at it. Um, And unlike most things in policy or politics when people talk about them, there's no real action steps that people can take. So what the book does is give you a high-level overview of how you can actually be effective and get change done that you want to get done, you know, at the, I use the term pre-legislative state.
0: Um,
1: and then it gives you some actual step by step, uh,
2: We've got uh, John Tebow with us today, political lobbying expert, best-selling author. He believes that we are on a turning point in our politics where everyone needs to get involved, come together around issues, build coalitions, fund their initiatives, and intelligently pursue their policy agendas. And he's here today talking about how to change a law, the Intelligent Consumer's Seven-Step Guide. He joins us today here on the telephone. Now, what kind of reactions are you beginning to the book so far?
1: Actually, really positive Uh feedback um, the reviews on Amazon are really excellent and it comes from a variety of folks it comes from just average people small business folks politicians lobbyists attorneys teachers and um, you know some people have said that they think it should be taught in high schools as part of the uh, civics classes in ninth grade. Wow. Because we've lost so much of that, how, how it can happen. And I was, I was actually pretty impressed with that. These weren't solicited. These are people who put these reviews up on Amazon and said, you know what? You know, the American people don't know how to do this. We've kind of lost it, and we're doing ineffective things. And then one quick point, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I mentioned in the bio that I sent to you that I worked at uh, MCA Universal. Yes, yes. So I'm in the middle of the entertainment industry, dealing with high-level executives, and politicians and heads of state and lobbyists and what I realized was the kinds of things that people at the you know, we keep hearing this, the top one percent, but it Yes. What the top one percent are doing is they are, you know, building effective relationships between themselves and the politicians and they're getting the stuff done that they want to get done. Whereas the rest of us are, you know, demonstrating in the streets or just sending a letter to your congressman and hoping something will work. And so what I've tried to do is take the information I had at that level and as a comparison, I actually think of it a little bit like how we used to look at financial literacy. The American people were generally financially, quote, illiterate, and then, you know, Charles Schwab came along and uh, Morningstar and Mutual Funds, and people really started to figure out how they could do some of these very um, advanced strategies. I think at this point, the you know, we're still kind of, Politically illiterate. Yes. They don't understand the yes. Involved. And once you do, you realize, oh, that's how it works. <laughs> that's why the one percent are getting what they want.
2: Well, and that—that's the thing is that I think slowly but surely, people are learning uh, over over, you know, just just over the last few years that that they need to know how exactly this system works because if they don't, there it's just like folks who weren't engaged in the news and, and politics several years ago and they didn't realize, oh, this is how politics work. This is how things work. And now people are starting to get that way with money. So uh I I, I completely agree with you, my friend. John Tebow with us today. He is a political lobbying expert, best selling author. He has this great book. It's called How to Change a Law, The Intelligent Consumer's Seven Step Guide. And um uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the seven things that people will learn when they pick this book up. Tell me about the three essentials that every policy campaign must have.
1: Yeah, the the three things that I see, and I'll touch on them quickly and then relate it to the larger issue, Yep. are you need to have a message, mass, and money. And in the sense of having a message, you have to be very clear and specific about what you want to get done. And I know there's some broad groups around now we say things like well we want justice but for a politician it's not specific enough he doesn't know what they really want specifically because he thinks in terms of an actual bill so you have to get your language clear you have to know what it is that you really want to get done it can't be you know change the world on the math side when we act alone as individuals we're just not strong enough. And I think everybody knows that. When you come together and you say, look, let's solve this problem as a collective group, you're able to get stuff done. And that's what the corporations have done. They basically say, hey, look, we have jobs, you know, in 10 different counties of your state. And, you know, if we get this piece of legislation done, it's really going to help your people create jobs, etc." So they know how to make that work. Yes. And that's why they've been successful. So what people have to do is, you know, get away from sort of I'm on the left, you're on the right, and we're going to fight over this thing forever and really say, look, figure out your issue, find like-minded people who agree with you, do it on a platform that is uh, issue agnostic, which that's how I refer to iLobby.
0: Yeah. And
1: the final thing is you have to put a little bit of money into the game. If you're not willing to put your money where your mouth is, then it's just not going to work. But I have yeah. said almost jokingly, People picked a movie once or twice a month and said, look, I'm going to put $20 into this thing, and I have 30,000 people all over the country who believe in what I'm doing, and they're supporting it. It's like Kickstarter for issues. You end up with $600,000. You can hire the top lobbying firm in Washington tomorrow.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. that, that, is, that is a hell of a way to do things.
1: Yeah, I think it's a hopeful message. You know, because people care about issues and there's things that they really want to get done. And it could be at the federal, the state, or the local level. And the numbers can change accordingly.
2: Yeah. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. That that That, that is just fascinating. How, how, how did you come across that information?
1: Well, it's a, part of it, again, as I said, when I was at NCA, uh, I was just surrounded by all these guys, right? You know, at the studios and... We wanted to get trade policy done with respect to uh, people, uh, some other countries.
2: <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, ripping off videotapes and films, right? They would go into theaters and just take that movie. Oh them yeah, them and- yeah.
2: They, they 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 bring the old camera gimmick and they sit there and right. and, uh, right. and 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 I I've seen some of these movies and I'll tell you I am more motivated to go out and see the movie in the theater rather than. <laughs> rather than sitting at home watching it on yes. some dude's camera.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but, and I just use that example because it's a pretty common one. Yeah, yeah. But, this, you know, the same thing applies when I look at some other companies, particularly in new industries. Um, Uber is one, Airbnb is another, and then at the time right after when I was at eBay, um, the uh, We started eBay Motors, and Meg Whitman has gone on the record and talked about how it was really important for them to do it. They actually had to get the law changed in all 50 states in order for this, quote, auction company to start selling cars. They had to be licensed. They couldn't do it themselves. They didn't have the expertise. And you think, you know, a big company like that could. So what they end up doing is they end up hiring lobbyists to make it work. So... In these examples, you find that it reaches a point of complexity, and you need to go to an expert. Just like you know, you go to a doctor, get something done. You go to a tax attorney if you have an issue, you know, with uh, accounting. Yes. Um, And the same thing here. When companies have problems with the government, they can't learn it from scratch. They need to go and hire somebody who knows how to do it. And these are your quote lobbyists, public affairs officials, government relations folks. Yes.
2: It's absolutely amazing. Essentially, somebody could read this book, and surround themselves with with enough you know knowledge that they they could run essentially for office uh, without having to, to to do any any of the usual things that people feel like they have to do when they run for a political office.
1: Well, it's a tiny bit different because a politician could use this. For instance. I'm in California, and i talked to some assembly members here who say, you know, we want to reach out to our constituents, but we set a meeting and then the date changes and somebody's a farmer and he's got to drive 100 miles to
2: the yep, town hall yep.
1: or the Civic Center. And it's just completely disruptive to his life. And what I have said to the politicians is, here's a way for you to reach out to your community on a bill that you're working on, put it up. Get votes so people can vote on it, and it isn't—it isn't a qualified vote the way people talk about voting machines and electronic voting. Yeah. it's just a proxy for what they want to get done. But at least they're beginning to engage. So instead of—I'm I'm not bashing Twitter, but instead well, yeah. of listening and on Twitter, you could actually leave arguments here, do the same thing, and we start connecting you with like-minded people because of your issue interests.
2: It's a heck of a uh, heck of a process. We've got John Tebow with us today. He has got "How to Change a Law: The Intelligent Consumer's Seven-Step Guide." Now, tell me about the five common mistakes that people must avoid.
1: Yeah, these are—they uh, <laughs> may not be all the mistakes, but they're some of my favorites. Okay. Um, people get involved in politics. You hear it all the time, and the first thing they do is complain. I mean, you can just listen to the radio or talk to your friend, and they say, you know. He is bad, she is bad, Etc. So they're complaining <laughs> all the time, yes. but they're not doing anything, right? Yes. The next thing is, I say they're talking to the wrong person. So they're complaining to their dog, they're complaining to their neighbor, but they're not complaining to the politician. So he's not even aware they have a problem, right? Yes. The third one I have is uh, fuzzy thinking. They, they kind of know, like, hey, I'm really mad because um, in our community, for instance, there's a problem with aircraft noise. So people are just, you know, up in arms, and they're shouting and complaining. They're not – well, they were not talking to politicians before, but they are now. Um, But they're unclear about the the complexity of dealing with the FAA, airspace, regulations, uh, the transportation subcommittee in Congress. I mean, it goes on and on. So they just don't know. And then finally, you know, two more things is, they look at politicians as celebrity candidates, and that's clearly the case now where we have Trump versus Hillary. Yes. And, they, yeah, they think if Trump wins, the world is going to be perfect. Or if Hillary wins, we have a panacea to all world problems. <laughs> well, everything's going to be perfect, right? Yes. And we go back and forth on this, but what I have said is once that person gets into office, what are you focused on? You're focused on the issues. So what I'm saying is focus on the issues and not the candidates. And then the final thing here is a pretty common mistake, is people do not build a coalition. They don't do it effectively. They don't know how to do it.
0: They don't know how to engage
1: other people. And unless you have a mass of people who can get something done, it's just not going to happen. Because you are not hitting a threshold of consciousness for the politician where they start taking you seriously.
2: We've got John Tebow with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. He has a fantastic book, and uh, this this book is uh, just amazing. I I can't say enough good things about it. How to Change a Law, the Intelligent Consumer's Seven-Step Guide. And in this book, John gives concrete examples of political and legislative success. It even includes how a 10-year-old girl in Pennsylvania was able to change a law. The moral of the story... Don't be discouraged if you're a 10-year-old. You can do it, and uh, pretty much everybody can do it. Uh, he serves on a local municipal subcommittee, was former chair of two successful local property tax ballot majors, acted as a strategic campaign advisor to five successful local candidates. He's been published in several magazines, including the Association News, Manufacturing Today, CEO for High Growth Ventures, and Millennial Magazine, and is the most viewed writer on the subject of lobbying on Quora. Um this this book is, is not you know not that hard to read. You you've got a lot of good examples and things in here. Uh, tell me about the seven key steps to advocacy success.
1: Yeah, these these are really part of what you would do on the iLobby platform. And again, just so people are clear, it's iLobby com. Okay. Anyway, the first I'm trying to look at it like what's the very smallest simplest step you could take on an issue. So if you were proposing something that is uh, current, let's say, in Kansas, yeah, and I just happen to be looking at the issues here, and everything from court funding, education, to, yes. uh, prescription drugs, taxes, guns on campus, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So if somebody in Topeka said, you know what, I think we should allow guns on campus because they can uh, help prevent other people from shooting and we can defend ourselves. Right? Yeah. That's a point of view or that's a position. So the first thing other people could do is say, okay, I'm going to go to this guy's debate and I can vote. I can agree with it or disagree. That's your first step. And all you do is you click a button and say, I voted. That's yep. step one. Yep. Step two, I'm going to use the same example. Step two, they could say, I like what this guy said, and I'm going to share it. So now they share it with their network, their email list, their social media group, etc. And then you get it out to more people.
0: Yes. So
2: the
1: third thing we do, which is a little um, developmental in a sense, is I have a virtual pledge. So you can pledge. It's like Monopoly money. You can pledge fake money to say, as a proxy, if I was going to support this, I'd give the guy fifty bucks. And everybody starts with you know two hundred dollars of sort of fake money. Excuse me, a hundred dollars of fake money. Yeah. Um It's just virtual, but it's an indication of would you really actually do this if you had the opportunity, and then then all of those are pretty much private and anonymous things. Nobody knows how you voted or any of that. Once you get to the point where you say, I want to argue, which is step four, you are putting a comment in, and it's no different than authenticating yourself on Facebook, leaving a comment, saying who you are, and saying, hey, look, I agree with this guy, but I have a better point of view. Here's a link to a piece of legislation on gun laws, and this is why we shouldn't do it or why we should do it or why the universities think this or that and you can include those kind of comments. And then finally, in number five, you can actually start your own debate on any issue. You basically say, look, here are the key things I wanna get done, and I'm gonna put this debate together, and then we show you how to make that work. Finally, you publish that debate, get it out there, refine it, make sure it's working, and then engage other people. And again, it, it reminds me very simply of what we used to do at eBay. You know, We had buyers on one hand, sellers on the other, we had more buyers than sellers. But the sellers would have to put their products up in order to get something done. And once they did yes. and they realized it money, then the whole thing took off. Here, what I'm saying is we don't have buyers and sellers. We have voters and politicians. And once people realize that they can get into the game and do it in a very simple way, I think that it will be a, another alternative platform for them to get something done on a policy level.
2: We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast, Coast to Coast and Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and Stitcher. And uh, this this book is absolutely amazing. Tell me about some of the, uh, uh, basically what you want readers to get out of this. What, what do you want readers to take away from your writing?
1: Yeah, I think the key thing is, almost what I said with regard to the uh, French Bach case, is that Anyone can do it, yeah. you know? Um, an interesting thing that a few politicians in this area have is uh, there ought to be a law. There, so there was a former senator, Senator Joe Simidian, who was in the California State Senate for quite a while, and he wanted to hear what people had to say. So he said, you know what, I'm going to put up almost like a blog post but so people would um, enter information and say, I have an idea for a law, here it is. And they would fill in four or five key things. Well, the senator who followed him has done the same thing. Two or three other assemblymen in the California legislature have done it. And then it got picked up by some um, lawmakers in Pennsylvania as well. And what it is, it's a way for people to get into the game. The distinction here, though, for iLobby is that if your congressman or your senator or assemblyman doesn't actually do this particular program, well, then you're having to resort to the conventional means. And what we've done is we've sort of mimicked the kinds of things or activities you would have to do. So basically we're asking you, what's your issue? What do you want to get done? Who's opposing you, et cetera. And you do a little bit of research, put the pros and cons together, include some video links pro and con, and you start building your coalition. So the idea is it takes, you know, if you've done it a few times, it takes a half hour to build the whole thing. Um, but it's no different than, you know, I, I don't mind mentioning other companies like change.org where people list. Particular. Yes. Yeah. So, but here we take you into actionable steps where in the end, instead of just saying, oh, we sent this off to the guy and we hope something happens. We're saying, hey, if you're serious, you get a coalition, you have a clear issue, you raise money. We will then match you with an appropriate lobbying firm who you can then work with, whose practice area ties to yours.
2: Now a, a a lot of folks and the way you explain this this the, the, this is fantastic. There's a lot of folks that have, over the last several years, uh, basically have been told, "Oh, lobbying firms are are you know not a good idea, and these folks are evil and all this stuff." The way you're presenting your information, you're just presenting it as, "Hey, if they're using it, why can't you take advantage of it?"
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, it, it definitely is a little bit of that um i also think though that and i've looked at this some of the same companies who own media outlets and they say oh look lobbying is corrupt it's bad etc i'm not going to name the company yeah but handful of them they are also hiring lobbying firms so you have <laughs> one of my favorite words which is political hypocrisy
2: yes and
1: it's like I'm doing it, and I'm successful, but I don't want you to do it. And one of the reasons, I don't know if this is the primary reason, but there's some research on this now that has been done independently, and it shows that companies that lobby actually outperform in certain areas um, other companies. So if a company, let's say, goes and spends a million dollars, you know, trying to lobby uh, Washington, you know, on a uh, an appropriations bill or something, there is some, I don't want to go into the details, but there's some information that has now come out and it has been, you know, verified that they end up for every dollar they spend they make $220. So you're yeah. talking about a 22,000% return on their effort. So it's sort of like an insider's game. Hey, if I'm doing that, why would I want to tell anybody else? So let's just keep bashing them and nobody knows and we just nod and wink our eyes.
2: Yeah. Well, that that is that is, <laughs> you you are you were correct on on a lot of things, my friend. And uh, this this book is amazing. We've got John Tebow with us today. How to Change a Law: The Intelligent Consumer's Seven Step Guide. Now, there are sixteen policy myths that we all face. We're not going to be able to cover all sixteen here, but give me a little bit of highlights uh, so people uh, can can have those have those in mind going in when they pick the book up.
1: Yeah, I touched on the first one already, which is yeah. that lobbyists are bad. Yep. So we've talked about that. Yep. Um, I think the other one is I don't have any issues and I don't care about politics. And I think that kind of apathy has come from the fact of two things. I mean, I, I wrote a blog post a while back of when did my political gene turn on. And for me, it was around, you know, when I was 35 or so. And what I realized is the people who get engaged are the ones who stand to lose something. So if you have no money, no house, no car, no life, yes, you actually don't care. You think the government will take care of you. But once you build a business, once you get married, once you have kids, once you get involved in your community, you become very concerned about how things are going, and you want to get stuff done. So this, this idea of I don't have any issues turns around once you have something to lose. And you have something to lose once you start building uh, a life or a business
2: that is the other, uh, the that that is yeah, that that is very interesting go ahead keep going my friend
1: right right and that and that's actually why business lobby because these are multi-million multi-billion dollar corporations and they are protecting their interests right um again if i look at uber that's exactly what happened they were dealing with the taxi commissions and the insurance companies they discovered that they couldn't get insurance for the drivers and I know here in California they worked with the insurance commissioner, Dave Jones, and finally ended up saying, hey, we need to rewrite the law so that the insurance companies would cover the driver so they weren't exposed from a liability standpoint. And for the insurance companies, it was a new market. Because previously, if you put a person in your car, they paid you money, your insurance company would say, hey, I'm not covering you if you have an accident. It's all on you. Class the cases, you would
0: have something to lose.
2: Wow, that is uh, that is that is very interesting. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. John Tebow is with us. How to Change a Law: The Intelligent Consumer's Seven-Step Guide. And uh, basically, folks are frustrated voters, uh, folks in, in small business. Um, how are they going to be able to use this book to uh, to achieve some success? I guess.
1: Yeah. I think the first step is that you get used to the um, the platform and start doing things. Again, in the early eBay scenario, we ended up having people just poke around and look at various things, and finally they got braved, they registered, and then they started bidding on items. Once they found they could do that, they liked it. Once they found that they could then go off and uh, sell their goods around the world, they were totally thrilled, and it changed their life on the part of the seller. It's the same thing here. You put a toe in the water by voting for an issue and in this case because there's multiple issues we're not just like a single issue entity where we say hey we are supporting the second amendment or the first amendment or only this and then once we're done we forget about you i like the idea that people can create their own issues or they can look at things that are already up there and help somebody else out it's kind of like i scratch your back you scratch mine
2: that's 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 a heck of a concept, my friend. I I, I will have to say that is uh, that this this conversation, great conversation today. John Tebow with us today, how to change a law, the intelligent consumer seven step guide, and uh, before we uh, before we let you go, got a couple more questions for you, my friend. This has been a uh, a fascinating conversation about a, a tremendous book. Um, tell me a little bit about um, why why do citizens engage? Why why? why? What, why, why exactly should they get out there and, you know, pick up your book and, and get involved in the process?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think one of the things we forget is that, you know, we believe the politicians. In other words, we think that we don't have to do anything. The politicians have all the answers. They're the experts. They know what to do, and therefore everything's fine. But when you look at the policy choices that they make or the votes that they make, and particularly if you voted for somebody and then two or three years later, you're like, why is he doing that? You know, I didn't elect him to do that.
2: You know, you end up in (laughs) a... I know. Yes. That happens happens a lot, yes.
1: Yeah, like all the time. (laughs) (laughs) our assumption there is that These guys are brilliant, it's too complicated, and I'm an idiot, and I don't know anything. Therefore, I shouldn't say anything or do anything. And I think that holds us back. And my belief is that we're now hitting a point where issues are so complicated that we don't have enough people on the ground. And that's why I look at this whole issue of crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. Yes. There are a a number of companies that say, hey, we need um, citizen scientists, right? And there's a group of people who do that where they map the stars, they map the planets. But there's thousands of people all over the world who put their information into a repository to do that. If we had that happen here, we would end up taking best practices from one state to another on an issue level. So let's say you solved the problem with uh, parking tickets in uh, Wichita, Kansas. And yes. it's just like the, the best example. Everybody was happy. Nobody was upset on the fees and all, you had safety and everything else taken care of. But the rest of the state didn't know that existed and nobody else did. So you're not really using the people on the ground who are experts to come forward. And here, if you have lots of people in lots of different areas, I mean, I am aware of uh, some of the folks on the site now who are attorneys or retired judges who can actually give input to a particular cause or issue. um, And they'll do more of it once they see that it's sort of kicking in and people are beginning to respond. So, it's really using the intelligence of the
2: crowd, is what I'm saying. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you online, pick the book up, all this stuff? Yeah. Um, the, as I say,
0: the book is available on Amazon.